TD Auto Finance is proud to be the only truly full-spectrum lender in Canada. No matter the circumstance, we have options for all your customers' auto financing needs. Contact us at 1-855-TD-AUTO-1 to find out more today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the December 1st, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. Our guest this week recently sat down with Automotive News Canada publisher Tim Demopoulos. He talked about his company's unique electrification plan, booming sales, new product, and more. We'll hear it all in this abbreviated conversation between Tim and Vice President of Toyota Canada, Inc., Stephen Beattie, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Tim started their conversation by cutting right to the chase and asked Stephen about the automaker's hybrid strategy when it comes to the electrification of Toyota's lineup. In general, what you're seeing is that every time we bring a new car to the marketplace, it's it's typically coming today either with a hybrid option or as hybrid only. Um, and the reason for that is that with gas prices where they are, with you know the growing understanding of the importance of reducing carbon emissions from cars, People are making the choice to move to to hybrid, uh, so much so that this year we're uh, we're running at about a 42% rate of, of electrified product sales. Now, of course, that includes EVs, it includes plug-in hybrids, it includes a small number of hydrogen fuel cell cars, but overwhelmingly, that's about hybrids. And our uh, our numbers are only held back by the amount of supply we can bring to the market right now. There, there's a very strong public interest in, in moving in that direction. The thing about hybrid is that it doesn't require you to change your your drive cycle, your way of driving. It doesn't ask you to do anything different than you're doing with the car that's in your in your driveway today. But just by driving a hybrid, you can get a 20 to 30% improvement in, in fuel economy. And with that, similar reduction in, in carbon emissions. So um, it's, a, it's a really good way if you're looking to um, get the benefits of electrification to, you know, see a payback inside a, you know, a single ownership cycle. Um, hybrid just makes a lot of sense for people. So does offering 19 hybrid models offer an opportunity to conquest customers from other brands? Here are Stephen's thoughts. If you're talking about the consumer marketplace, it, choice is the very first word that you have to think about. Um, you need the right size of vehicle. You need the right use case for the vehicle. You need the right designs and amenities in the in the vehicle. So it's important to spread those technologies across the lineup because at the end of the day, it's not about the powertrain. It's about getting the right car to people that just happens to have you know that better fuel economy, the better performance, the better uh, uh, emissions profile. Um, and I think what we're finding is that. A number of companies that were late in starting to move to electrification and powertrain found themselves having to move straight past hybrid on their way to trying to develop a, an integrated battery electric supply chain. And the problem with that was um, once you get through the early adopters, it becomes much harder to you know, find that next group of buyers who wants to come in and you know, support that early stage battery electric technology. And as you've already pointed out, the um, you know those those first few battery electric cars are just that they're a few, and you know they may be in a single in a single model or style that you know might not be right for the consumer's needs. 
And how did Toyota decide to take this approach? Was it meeting customer demand or was it the automaker projecting future trends based on its own research? Stephen offered some insight. I hope that it's both of those things, that it's Toyota thinking about the future and also thinking about our customers. And, and if you go back to the very first Prius, um, that was a design study to think about the needs of consumers in the, you know, in the early parts of the century. So you know, that's, that's where hybrid originated, was this notion of being able to deliver, deliver more with less, um, to be able to really think about cabin design, about amenities, about you know, how vehicles could be could be designed to meet the needs of, of this century's, uh, you know, mobility uh, uh, requirements. Of course, what we were thinking about <clears throat> with Prius back in the 90s is very different from what we've done with Prius today. And, you know, as you can tell from the latest model, it's become very sleek. Um, and, you know, if I can, if I'm allowed to say it, it's kind of fashion forward, in fact, compared to where the early Prius was, which was really a design around function. And frankly, I think you're going to see that same sort of evolution across other um, electrified powertrains. We're going to go from building cars around powertrain to building cars around the consumer's need. And as we do that, you're going to get far more compelling, more interesting, um, you know, better deployment of the technologies. And I'm just back from the Tokyo Mobility Show where, where we showed off those concepts of what we think is the near, near future. And it's sports cars. It's, it's, you know, it's pickup trucks. It's uh, multi-purpose vehicles that you can swap the box out on so it can turn from a store to a mobile office to, uh, you know, any number of other things. And, you know, take it out off-road on the weekend. Um, we're starting now because we've licked most of the powertrain issues to be able to think, you know, more holistically about the car and how that that fits the needs of the customer. Tim then asked about Toyota's successful electric and hybrid sales year to date. Here's how Steven saw the year playing out so far. Even in October, we saw a 30% or 38%, I guess, increase in sales year over year, uh, which is quite remarkable. Our, as I mentioned our uh, our electrified sales are now up around 42 percent of our total sales you're seeing uh, vehicles like rav4 prime with 400 percent increases in the number of vehicles sold this year um, so uh, we've been running plants like the ones in ontario over time to try to try to meet demand um, but we've been very fortunate consumer response has been very very strong for those those products as well one of Toyota's latest additions to its lineup is the Crown Insignia. Stephen talked about the logic behind the decision to bring back one of the automaker's oldest names, almost turning it into a sub-brand in North America. So for people who, who know Toyota, they know, they know Crown. It's been, uh, it's been the top of the Toyota lineup in, uh, in Japan for many, many, many years. And of course, it was represented on the ground here in North America years ago. Um, over time, we developed products that were specific to the North American marketplace, like Avalon. Um, it, it took that, you know, place as the flagship of our model model lineup here. But the reality of it was that that traditional North American sedan style was falling out of favor with with consumers. So we felt there was a good opportunity to rethink the space um, and offer up to people both a new approach to to the sedan and a crossover model that you know reflected again part of where the the mainstream market has gone um crown as a name you know even if you haven't seen one 
recently in North America, um, you know, evokes memories for people. It's it speaks to something that sits atop the brand, and uh, in that sense, it you know creates um, you know some early interest and buzz that that helps helps to lift it. And frankly, um, I'm really optimistic about the Crown Signia, the, the the crossover. I think it fills a market niche in our lineup that uh, that should do very well for Toyota. We'll be right back after this short break. At TD Auto Finance, we recognize the importance of stability in a partner and pride ourselves in giving you the support you need to grow your business. As the only truly full-spectrum lender in Canada, our specialized sales, credit, and funding teams and competitive programs give you the flexibility you need to support your customers in almost any circumstance. Contact us today at 1-855-TD-AUTO-1 to find out more about our six-time J.D. Power award-winning service, innovative products, or even how we can help you find a floor plan financing option that suits your business needs. Welcome back to the podcast where we're hearing from Vice President of Toyota Canada, Inc., Stephen Beattie. Another key decision by Toyota was to offer Canadians only a hybrid version of the next generation Camry. Stephen explained why. So this is one of the one of the things that we've been talking to governments and others about is that that you know as we move forward with electrification you have to make some choices about how you deploy batteries. Uh, we're early on in the supply chain development here in North America. Uh, but as you've heard recently, we've just made another massive investment in, in the plant we're building in North Carolina, and it will produce both hybrid batteries and, um, and batteries for, uh, for battery electric vehicles. Uh, the, the bottom line here is um, for any given volume of battery cells, we can produce multiples of hybrids for, you know, for a single battery electric vehicle. And so from that standpoint, our strategy has always been to build up um, hybrid as the base platform for the lineup, even as we're pushing further on battery electric vehicles and plug-in hybrids. So the thought of making the switch from an internal combustion engine to to a gas electric hybrid really wasn't a big leap for Toyota. Um, We've been doing that with our other model launches, as you've seen over the years, the the share of, uh, of hybrids in every one of our models, including things like the RAV4, has been climbing year over year. So it only makes sense today that as we're looking to introduce the next generation of Camry that we'd go, go all hybrid. The other point though, is it gives us an opportunity to do some things we couldn't do with the previous car. So we had, a, we had an all-wheel drive vehicle and we had a hybrid vehicle, but we didn't have a hybrid all-wheel drive vehicle. So what we now are able to do is to offer the, the Camry either as a front-wheel drive hybrid or an all-wheel drive hybrid. And the result is also that we get a, an additional bump in horsepower by, you know, by adopting the hybrid in, the, in all-wheel drive. So you get better fuel economy, better power, and, uh, and a smoother, more efficient ride. And, and I think overall, that's a win for customers. And are there any concerns about limiting Camry customers to just one powertrain? Stephen doesn't think so. Look, we, um, we we know one thing, and that is that Toyota buyers understand hybrid. Um, so they were looking for more, not less. And I, I I think it just makes sense for us to to push forward in that in that way. And as I said, particularly for a Canadian buyer, the ability to offer um, you know an e all wheel drive Camry 
um, becomes a big plus. So I, I, I just see it as a, as a step forward in every direction. Many third-party observers and some within the industry view hybrid powertrains as a tradition to electrification. So what's on the horizon or what are the next steps for Toyota? Stephen offered some pushback on the theory and offered a little insight about Toyota's long-term plan. As a general rule, um, I, I don't talk about vehicles that aren't yet in the marketplace, but I think what you can see is that we've been expanding the number of plug-in hybrids across the lineup. We've also been expanding our production of those vehicles. So as I was saying earlier, a 400% increase in, in uh, RAV4 Prime sales this year is a good, a good example of that. When we brought out the new Prius, we actually flipped the sales ratio between plug-in and uh, and conventional hybrid. So the plug-in is now our you know our, our, our main sales volume. So again, you're just going to see that evolution as we're you know as we're marching toward the, the you know the, the end goal of eliminating uh, emissions from cars. Um, but you know you talked about plug-in hybrid as possibly being a transition to battery electric. Um, it, it's 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 that, um, but it could be something else too. I, I'm not convinced that um, you know everywhere Toyota sells, even everywhere in Canada, uh, the grid's really up to the task on the on the long haul for you know supporting fully fully battery electric vehicles. But a, um, a plug-in hybrid with with e-fuels or with biofuels or any number of other options. Could be a very low carbon alternative to uh, to a battery electric vehicle. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be counting counting plug-in hybrids out of that future. I do think that as you move forward, the the, the relative simplicity of packaging a battery electric vehicle and some of the breakthroughs we're making with with bipolar batteries and with solid state batteries, um, you know, we'll, we'll shift the cost equation between plug-in hybrids and battery electric vehicles in favor of battery electric vehicles. But what about zero emissions vehicle sales mandates in provinces, U.S. states, and eventually at the federal level in Canada? How do those affect future offerings from Toyota? Stephen explained. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of things. I, th- I think if you, you know, if you consider what a zero emission vehicle mandate does, it doesn't actually guarantee supply and it doesn't guarantee demand. All it does is set a sales ratio between the zero emission vehicles in your lineup and, and, and the others. So um, if, if, you, if either side of that equation fails, in other words, if the supply chain doesn't develop at the right, right rate, and you, know, you tell me whether or not Canada is going to be able to bring new mines, new processing, new parts production, um, you know, retool or rebuild assembly plants, and have electric infrastructure in place all in time for 2030. Um, you know, it's that's possible, but it takes almost wartime levels of uh, of, of heavy lifting, and I, I I'm I'm not sure that we're going to get there. The problem then is the ZEV mandate sits on top of the market, and it prevents other technologies from 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 getting to the market. And um, you know, we know right now if if you do what Toyota's been doing, which is to take internal combustion engines out of the mix, replace them with hybrids, put in more plug-in hybrids, put fuel cell vehicles in for certain applications. It's that total mix that brings carbon emissions down. So I think 2030 is a, um, it's, it's, it's problematic because you're asking to 
just bet everything on a single technological path. Um, I think you can get where we need to get to on carbon emission if you use all of the tools in the toolbox. And, uh, and certainly that would be our, our recommendation. Tim ended the conversation by addressing the manufacturing elephant in the room. Toyota makes vehicles in Canada. It's electrifying its lineup. So will Toyota also eventually have a battery plant in Canada? Here's Stephen's answer. You're absolutely right. Uh, Toyota is the number one maker of vehicles in Canada and by considerable margin. Um, so, of course, we're always thinking about what the future of that manufacturing footprint looks like and how to reinvest and when and, and what sorts of sorts of products. Um, but that's an ongoing process. We really don't have anything to announce at this point. As you may have noticed, we've uh, just recently made a further investment announcement in um, in our forthcoming battery plant in North Carolina. Um, and every time that you make eight, $8 billion announcements about battery plants, then you have to take a breath before you move on to the next one. So, um, you know, we'll see what the future holds, but, but, but nothing to announce at this stage. I'd like to thank Stephen for his time spent with Tim. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.